Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, episode 45 is going down. We are wired up, fired up, pumped and positive, happier than a kid on Christmas morning. Hide the women, hide the children. We got Ryan Hymas here this morning in studio. We got Dr. Sellers here this morning in studio. And that's our cue for Sean Benavin. How long are we going to let this roll, Sean? So how fast were you going, Terry? Oh, my God. <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah, Dr. Sellers, what? I like Speed Racer. Now, normally you, you come the night before you stay yeah. at the Hilton, and then you... Yeah. You take your time. That this morning. This morning I did in not. In your brand new Tesla, right? I have no Tesla. With, with the turbo boost on I'm it. Driving my wife's. <laughs> I'm driving my wife's beat up uh, Volkswagen Jetta. Ugh, and how but, fast can a Jetta go on I-15 well, I know, southbound? I, I know for a fact it comfortably goes 98 miles an hour. Wow. Yeah. Well, I was probably faster than that at, uh, on occasion, but when the policeman decided to pull me over, he clocked me at 98. Boom. Yeah. But he wrote you up for... You know my wife's listening live, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wrote me, up, wrote me up for 89. That's not horrible. No, 89 and an 80. How much is that going to cost you? Uh, oh, that's right. You're like a rich doctor, it's so it's okay. okay. The, do- totally the Dr. Pepper's You free. got a free Dr. Pepper, <laughs> so it evens out. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys are listening to We Do Recover. We're super excited. This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 45, part one is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. I say it every week, and I mean it. If you have a loved one that needs help, or if you yourself need help, reach out, give them a call, 801-800-8142. Even if they're not a good fit for you for insurance reasons or whatever, they are well-connected. They will get you some help. You want to kick us off with some new and goods? I need some help. Do you? Yeah. yeah, I need some help. I have an addiction to going too fast, apparently. Uh, yeah, I'll kick you off with new and goods. This is going to be, um, you know, I always struggle with new and goods, but um, this is going to be one that's a little different. So uh, my mother's health is deteriorating rapidly, and her memory is terrible. And uh, two, di- she's in a. She had been in a skilled nursing facility. And two days ago, we got a phone call that she was too much of a risk, too much of a liability for the skilled nursing facility, and we needed they needed her gone that day. Oof. I was in Richfield, I, and I have a brother that lives in Mesa and a brother that lives in St. George, and we none of us can be there that day. You mean you don't have a clone? I don't, no. Dang uh, it. No one would want to look like me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, so we talked him into keeping her one more day, and then yesterday we moved her into a memory care unit, and uh, it was uh, hectic, and I was super tired. And but here's why this is a new and good. Okay, I'm sober. Amen, yeah, brother. I, I'm sober today. I'm not. I didn't have to use yesterday or the day before or today, and uh, this is difficult stuff. My mom's not going to be around very much longer. Uh, but uh, I can, I'm okay. Like, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I don't have to numb that. I don't have to, I'm okay feeling that. Yeah. That's my new and good today. Thoughts and prayers go out to her. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Where do you Thanks. want to pass that ball to? Who do you want to get the new and good Well, next? Um, we have a special guest, and by special I mean. Um, we know what you mean. Yeah, I was going to say something <laughs> that would get me in trouble. Thanks for stopping me. Yeah, you're not talking short kid on the short whoa, bus special whoa, guest, are you? Whoa. I was going to say, I got. I was about to start yeah. to defend my man. Whoa. You know what I mean? It's not the worst thing that he said to me. Yeah, yeah <laughs> He said worse. That's not true at all. Yeah. We have Ryan Hymas in studio, and uh, I've known Ryan for a, a while. So let's, uh, let's go to him first of all. Just um, what's new and good in your world? Uh, new and good in my world... Um, I put my sprinklers in. Uh, I, you know, just barely got into our first home out in uh, Santaquin. That's where we live now. Nice. And um, I love it. I got um, room for the babies. I mean, my, my whole world is, uh, you know, this four-year-old four, six, four year old boy, six-year-old girl, eight-year-old girl. 
which I never thought I'd have any of that, you know, and, and it took, I'm coming up on eight years clean and, um, it took a long time to like, uh, rebuild the wreckage that I'd caused. And, and so, you know, I'm 52 now and, um, you are not, well, 40, <laughs> 42. And, um, so I'm 42 and just getting into our first house. And, um, I remember thinking, you know, when I was 28, you know, I almost committed suicide cause I felt like I was so far behind everybody else. I'll never catch up to my buddies that I was in high school with who all had careers and homes and families. And I just thought it's too late mm. uh, for me to do anything. And I, I remember telling a therapist, uh, I was seeing at the time that I was considering committing suicide and, uh, he laughed, which at the time I thought was super rude, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but, rude. uh, but looking back, I see his point of view that, um, my perspective was so, um, I had none. It was, you know, now I see it as I'm 42. We're in our first home, which I just love with my uh, little kids being, I don't have to tell them to be quiet. They get to run and jump and, uh, be kids. And, um, and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. It's, uh, like everything's, everything's, it's perfect right now, even when it's not perfect, you know? And <clears throat> so, Man, Ryan, congratulations, dude. Yeah, like it's it's amazing that you're you've kind of made it over the bell curve, right? I was talking to my sponsor about this just a day or two ago. It's like in early recovery, you're in the climbing stage, right? And what you're describing is is the top of the bell stage, right? Where life starts getting good. And congratulations, man. That's yeah. that is new. And yeah. that is good. So and, I got bad news for you though. I'm sixty one and that's real. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's still uphill. Are you? A lot of it's still climb? uphill, but that's okay. Like yeah. it's okay if it's still uphill because that means life is going to get better and better. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, I was just talking to somebody on the phone yesterday about this. I mean, the, the difference, it, it's all perspective. I mean, there's still, I mean, the car's still broken down, yeah. you know, the, yeah. um, my wife's sick right now, uh, back in St. George with some health problems. Uh, has a lot of health problems where there's going to be stuff. There's always going to be stuff and it's all, and none of it matters, you know, whether or not, um, whether or not my job's going great or whether or not my job isn't going great or whether or not the kids are telling me they love me or occasionally, you know, they look me square in the eye and they're like, you're stupid. And, uh, <laughs> but it, but my, I got to be centered though, despite what's happening. And, and what I found is my happiness, uh, doesn't have anything to do with whether we're living in a duplex or in a house or whether or not I'm getting paid the X amount or Y amount. You know, it's if I'm centered, I'm good in any of these situations, whether I'm getting speeding tickets uh, or getting a tax refund. You know, it, it doesn't none of these things matter because if they matter, that means that my happiness is is swayed by whatever the wind decides to bring into town that day yeah. you know that's and, great and i can't live like that yeah. that's great perspective yeah awesome hey um can we make a deal sean every time someone mentions a speeding ticket you hit speed racer i'm just kidding don't do it <laughs> uh hey uh sean what's new and good in your world anything amazing yeah everything's great thanks for asking okay beautiful thanks <laughs> i went and saw black widow last night uh, and uh, you know another marvel movie yeah right. it was kind of nice to i had a moment before the movie started where it's like Everyone's excited. It's a Marvel movie. You have a bunch of geeks in the theater together. Right. We have this communal experience of, of like, this is, you know, we're going to share this experience together. It was kind of a, a nice little moment. Right. And then uh, then I had uh, two parents come in with, like, two oh. two-year-old kids on their lap the entire time. <laughs> yeah. That was and, us. And then the highlight, which made my wife almost pee her pants, was uh, we see these uh, two girls come in. And one of them is just pregnant beyond pregnant. So as she's turning around and trying to find a place to sit, I almost loudly go. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a combination of my wife saying, that, that was so, that was so mean. <laughs> <laughs> laughing and trying to chide me at the same time. It's oh fantastic. My. Anyway, that's my new, that's my good. Beautiful. When's the last time you saw a movie in a theater? I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. That story. Oh, do you see movies a fair amount? <laughs> not a, not as much as I used to. Okay. So I'm kind of picking and choosing now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the prices have gone up. Have they really? Um, I think they were like, was it seven, eight bucks over at uh, at the Megaplex? Now they're like twelve bucks. Yeah, they they got to earn their money back. Trying to make up for the mm -hmm. for the uh, hiatus. Yeah, pro took. probably, probably so. Yeah. All right. Uh, last but not least, the this host guy. of this ridiculous train ride, 
Jared, what's new and good? New and good, man. Today, I, I, my new and good is next this upcoming week on Wednesday. Me and Mandy are getting married. I know we've been hearing Woo. about it for a minute. What? And, and my new and good. So that's kind of not real super new and good. It, it is super new and good, but you know what I mean. Like I've been talking it's about it super for a minute. good. My, my new and good today is. I checked out. I'm on vacay mode. I mean, look at this shirt. Like I, I, yeah, I got hemp sandal rope sandal flip flops on. Like, dude, I'm in vacay mode. It's, it feels so good. Like I finished my charting yesterday. I, you know, scheduled my clients with other clinicians. Like this is going to be your two show. I'm just here as, you know, an ornament to be dangled. Like I'm, I'm, I'm loving it, man. Wow. Yeah, that's my new and good. Guy thinks of himself as an ornament. An ornament to be <laughs> yeah. That's my new and good, man. I like it. Listen, yeah, we're going. Listen, to, oh, you're so getting married, and if there's an ornament in the marriage, her name is Mandy. Oh, for right sure. Away. That's the that by far, right? Yeah. Um, also, I went to the Ryan Dickerson concert. Okay. And I never put in for like competitions to win anything. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, dude, any kind of luck that I get is bad luck. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of my own warp distortion if you sure. will yes but uh, but 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 okay so what i'm getting to is is mandy my beautiful fiance soon to be wife put in for tickets to go see garth brooks and she got a call yesterday morning and we won dude we what? won so Come they're pa- so the radio station is paying for us to go to vegas they're paying for a hotel they're paying for two garth brook tickets seated tickets dude i don't know what one of us is living life good Your luck is one of us are doing things have good you, and it's not garth? me okay yeah. so have you shout seen out garth to in concert before i haven't i heard he's okay. amazing i i hate country music <clears throat> despise it but my wife wanted to go one of the best concerts i've been to he is full of energy. It is a complete showmanship show. So you, you're going you're to have a good time. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm kind of with Sean. I'm not a big uh, country music fan, I but I have heard Garth Brooks is amazing. It's a great show. I mean, country music or not, it's still a great show. Right. They don't like country, and I got to get new friends, man. Well, Garth, Garth does a lot of cocaine, and um, and so he is. He's always very, very pumped. Up and, right. uh, uh, we retract that statement. Yeah. The podcast retracts that yeah. statement. We're we going to be sued by Garth Brooks, yeah, bro. Thanks, Ryan. Just at the end of the that show, put us on the map, though. Just at the end of the show, do one giant disclaimer. Okay, that's what we'll do. <laughs> we'll, that's what we'll do. Hey, uh, we should kick this thing off. So, uh, <clears throat> interestingly, we have, um, we're, we might try something a little bit different this time because... Shirts off? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, keep that shirt on, bro. Come on. Right. Yes. <laughs> I like this. Whatever, I can do whatever you want. I can do a podcast with this. <laughs> I, let's do, let's just get crazy. Okay. Uh, nobody wants to see me with my shirt off. Not even me. <laughs> me either. Yeah. Let's be honest. So, I'd like to see you with a shirt off. Come on. I know how you All work right, with a shirt keep, off. Let's keep this thing rolling. No. It is rolling. It's just... <laughs> It's the crazy train to hell right now. Take it off. Um, all right. So uh, a lot of times we do just, a, you know, we talk to people about their stories and stuff. And Ryan has some involvement in some uh, parts of treatment that are a little bit unusual sometimes and a little bit different than the norm. And I've known some of the things that Ryan has done over the years. And we want to talk about some of those things. But first of all, um, before we do that. We can probably do most of that in the second segment, but tell us, uh, tell us a little bit. You told us already, but tell us a little bit about Ryan Hymas now. You're married. Uh, yeah. Three, second. Three children. Three kids. Okay. Um, ages are eight, six. And four. Four. Yep. And they're crazy. They are? Uh, yeah. No, they're, <laughs> they're, they're beautiful. They're kids. Totally. They're, they're beautiful. I mean, and, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, what are their names? Uh, I don't know. If, if um, you don't, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, you. I, I've tried to ask them. Hey, you. They don't, they don't <laughs> it's a blur. Really? Of a, hey, guy. No, hey, gal. Get over here. Yeah. So I have uh, Basil is uh, the four-year-old boy, and uh, then Scout is my six-year-old girl. Uh, she's the sweet one, and and they're not gonna listen. Um, and then Rue um, is eight, and Potentially a genius, uh, just a creative, um, but with her creativity uh, comes uh, uh, messes. And um, anyway, she's she's brilliant though. But she's the one that my wife took uh, when she was five months old. Uh, my wife uh, took her and said, 
I care enough now not to stick around since we've got this little girl. Uh, and thank God she did. Um, because I don't think I would have, if she would have stayed, uh, I would have drug it out till I was dead probably. And so, uh, she took little girl said, see ya. Uh, and then, and then it progressively got, you know, it was, uh, the worst week of my life where I lost them, lost my job. Uh, family finally said, uh, you can't come here any, anymore. We're not doing this monthly detox at our house. And, um, and so they cut me off. I overdosed. Good for them. Just want to say um, that. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, I mean, and they didn't know what to do. They were, sure. you know, they, they loved me, uh, still love me. Uh, but it took it getting to a real ugly place. Um, and all of it, I mean, like at the time, worst week in my life, looking back, uh, biggest blessings, uh, that ever happened to me were all those things compiled into that one week. Um, which gave me that nudge, um, that I needed to get some help. And I mean, there's still, it wasn't, uh, those things happened and I walked <clears throat> happily into the, I remember a story that at some point in there, I was trying to jump a fence and my mom had me by the leg and, uh, pulled me down and, and got me in the car and, and, <laughs> and, and it continued on. I couldn't climb the fence. I was like, trying to get over this, uh, uh, fence, but, um, and then getting kicked out of a detox. I was going through the ceilings in the other uh, patients' rooms, which <laughs> which is frowned on in Apparently. in respectable uh. detoxes, and then went to one treatment center, um, which maybe I won't say their name. I didn't love that one, um, and for two weeks, and then I you could say their name because the truth is it wasn't their fault. It, it wasn't their fault, Oof. but but I also think that not everybody is a good fit for every sure. program. Sure, yeah. and so that style. Um, for what, but you're you're exactly right. It, it all had to do with me, because right. um, I know a lot of guys that have a lot of success out of that same program. You can get clean um, in a dumpster. Totally, yeah, for sure. But I, what happened with me? I went up to uh, uh, the chateau. Um, was the last place I was at, and so that was, um, so in on August twelfth, uh, I'll have eight years. Um, Congratulations. Then, then I had some, you know, spiritual experiences up there, um, you know, and that changed everything and started rebuilding my stuff with my wife. And then, and then, um, you know, then started working as a tech because I knew, I mean, I had no, no coherent resume, you know, of anything. No, just all I knew is that I needed to stay. I, I felt like if I could stay clean. I could potentially do something with my life. If I can't stay clean, uh, I did that for 16 years and it's just wreckage and destruction. And, and for me personally, I mean, that was, that was the great thing about that last time was I finally had the realization that this isn't going to work. I can't make it work. I've tried making it work. I, I've tried the mixing. I've tried the switching. I've tried the, I mean, I used, uh, heroin to get off alcohol and alcohol to get off heroin, uh, which at the time, and then I threw a little Everclear in there too, to, you know, to, uh, it's like, well, they, my wife can smell the vodka, so I'll switch it to Everclear and that'll help me be successful in life. And, um, and <laughs> it didn't work obviously, but, but the great thing about this last time was that I came to the real realization that it won't work, you know, and, and now I know that. And so now, you know, I, I, and I felt like at the time I, you know, almost didn't have a choice. It was like, I couldn't get sick. I didn't want to get sick and all these things. And so I felt like I had to keep doing what I was doing, but now like I have a choice right now, but I do know for me, and this is for me personally, because I, you know, do have friends that have, um, been able to go back and, uh, drink like responsible adults and stuff. But I know for me, uh, I can't make it work and I, and it'll never work. So if I make the decision, um, to go and have a drink, I mean, I just don't plan on me for Christmas because that's, that's my pattern and it's off to and, the races and that's how it'll be. I think so. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you know, we have a, a box of wine sitting in my uh, kitchen right now. Um, cause you know, my wife's a normie. She drinks like, uh, I mean, it makes no sense to me. She make drinks, you know, about this much wine every two weeks and, and it sits there and, and I was under the understanding that I was going to have to fight this thing every day for the rest of my life and just fight this thing. And, 
the truth is I believe that it can be removed from you because I walk past that box of wine. I don't think about that box of wine. I don't think how could I, I mean, in the past it would have been, you know, 99% grape juice by the end of the day. Cause I'd have been trying to siphon it out and, you know, drink <laughs> what I can and leave, uh, whatever. And to be fair though, you got five years clean, right? Like, yeah, do we, you think you could have done that? No. In early recovery? No. So we, we didn't have any alcohol in the house and, um, for the first five years. So, so it was just been the last few years where she was like, you know, I'm a normie. Does that mean I never get to have a drink again? Cause that's kind of what the rule was. It was like, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. There's no alcohol in this home ever. And, but I think I had to become whole, you know, and, 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 and once I've done some things, I mean, and it's been a journey, you know, I mean, at five years clean, I was suicidal again, you know, because I was, I was doing one program and, and that's all I was doing. I wasn't adding anything in. Um, and then the last few years have felt like a completely different, uh, recovery for me in that, um, I really made it personal, which is, I mean, one of the main things I've learned over the last couple of years is this thing is, is super personal. You know, I, I think at the beginning I needed some very simple instructions. Like I did the 12 steps and I think it saved my life because all I was at the place where I couldn't come up with some individualized plan for Ryan's success. I was barely. You had a great talking. plan for Ryan's destruction though. Totally. And you were yeah. great at working it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I needed just some simple instructions on how to get, uh, to stay alive. Right. And so that worked for me. And then, and the same, the same way, you know, that like, you know, they put me on medications when I first walked in, um, to rehab and I needed to be on those medications for that time. It kept me here instead of like this, but it felt like around year five, it was counterproductive. And so I had to re look at everything. You know, I stayed clean, stayed sober, but I, I readjusted my whole program, added in, um, you know, a lot of different things. I mean, I got to have about 20 different tools in there now that are part of my program, which I mean, two years ago, I would have made fun of a lot of the stuff I'm doing now, like this polar plunge, um, stuff, uh, sounds crazy, uh, to, to past Ryan, but it's like, that's been one of the main things that I've done this last year. Uh, that's been the best thing that I've done for my mental health, which is, you know, um, every week this last winter we were meeting up at Tibble and uh, by the end we had about a hundred folks in recovery that were um, showing up. And that was part of it was the connection. I realized yeah. for those first few years of recovery, I was, you know, I'd go to meetings, see my sponsor, but I wasn't really, I mean, I'm an introvert uh, who has to act like an extrovert, uh, you know, for work and stuff. And, um, but really I'm very comfortable, like sitting in a room alone with a guitar for, a couple decades, you know, I, 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 I did that and, and I would be okay doing that, but, but not healthy. Right? right. There's no growth if you're sitting alone in a room. And so I really had to force myself to get uncomfortable and get connected to other people that I saw growing in similar ways that, um, that looked exciting to me. And, and so that was part of it was, um, showing up with, uh, showing up with, other people on a Sunday morning who wanted to get connected going into that water, um, which essentially the last year has all been, uh, been about be here now, you know, that's been the mantra because, you know, when I'm here now, like right now, I'm just sitting here with a couple dudes that I respect, uh, talking into a microphone. Um, and, and we're okay. It's when I'm tripping out about what have my kids done to the house before I get home? <laughs> what do I got coming up? How many messages did I miss when I look at my phone? Cause it'll be like 50 messages on my phone, start tripping out about that stuff. And, um, but in the now I'm good. And that's what I found the water was, was going into that, uh, that coldness of water, you are instantly in the now. And so that's where I've tried to stay with everything that I'm doing in my life is in the now. Let's, uh, did you have a comment, Jared? Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I I appreciate what he's saying. You have to get uncomfortable to be able to grow. Uh, one thing that, that I do want to, I guess, kind of uh, point out is he did say in his early recovery, he had to trust in what other people said. Because right. working in recovery as a clinician, oftentimes I hear, well, I have a program. I just want to work my program. Well, guess what? Your, your program hasn't been working. So you got to get uncomfortable to be able to grow. Thank you, man. This has been awesome.
Dr. Sellers, you want to take us out? Well, I got a point, but I'll bring it up in the second segment. Um, this is some interesting stuff. We'll get to. I want to get to polar bear or polar plunge more. Polar bear, the polar bear yeah. plunge. Polar sure. something. And anyway. he also is going to be able to talk to us about the recovery mo- movement, right? Outside right. of just treatment centers and fellowships. And that's right. what I'm really looking forward to getting to. So join us in episode 45, part two, right after this 30 second commercial break from our sponsors. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times, and it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. And Ryan Hymas, episode 45. He's in-house and he is lighting up the mic, sharing some hope, strength, and experience with us today. I got to, I can't. Quote directly, right? Um, so episode <laughs> 45, part two, is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. Did you know that, Dr. Sellers? I did. Did you know it's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah? I know that very well. So listen, if you or your wife, Dr. Sellers, or anybody listening to this wants to plan a getaway, give Hilton Garden Inn a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities, best customer service around. I promise you will not regret it. Thank you, Hilton Garden Inn. Yeah, they're awesome. They're awesome. I didn't make it down last night to stay there, so I'll be there tonight. Um, okay, I'll, I'll come over. Let's kick it off. I got we got a pool. If you got your kids, yeah, we'll I'll, we will sleep in your room. Oh, please, please <laughs> do. With you, uh, you won't wake me, dude. Uh, I sleep like a bear. Um, okay, so I wanted to point out one thing as uh, before we get moving on here, and that is uh, Ryan brought up a. a so I'm a medical director of a couple of different detoxes, and he brought up a really common thing that I see that's just laughable sometimes. People coming in, not now. I mean, it's just it's it's laughable because I'm clean. That's it. Um, people come in all the time hooked on heroin because they were using heroin to get off of meth, or they're hooked on meth because they were using meth to get off of heroin. And it's like. Guys, it's all the same problem. It's all the same problem. For sure. <laughs> it's, yep. You cannot use Kratom to get off of heroin. I'm sorry. It doesn't work. Like, yeah, you might get off of heroin, but you're now you're on Kratom. Mm. And you got to come to detox. For sure. Yeah, I, so. I mean, I I mean, I mean, caught myself at 35 huffing gas, you know, yeah. uh, never having done that in my life. And it was, I mean, I just need something to not to feel have to think. Right, to you feel know? different. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's you, get you to... You did need something. Right. Right, right. That, that, I'm, I was speaking right. as if I, from the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I felt. Yeah. So let's get to... How did how did the Polar Plunge start? Um, there was a guy, uh, one of the recovery coaches named Shay uh, at I Am Recovery, uh, where I work, and uh, he'd mentioned it, and I felt something when he mentioned it, and I... Uh, did not look at him for the next couple of days because I, I just thought that sounds crazy. I don't want to do it. Don't look at him. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Um, but I kept feeling it, and and really, I mean, this last couple of years has really been the directions that I'm going. I'm trusting. I'm just trusting whatever that is inside of me that's directing me because I believe like my soul or or whatever it is knows what I need, and HP. so and so when I feel somebody say something. If it resonates, I'm going in that direction. And I, so we started talking about it and, um, me and him and a few clients went up and, uh, did it one time. And I felt like immediately, uh, the benefits of it, like it, I mean, I think I'm one of those cases that like, you know, with still with this depression, with this, um, I mean, just crippling anxiety, you know, I'm coming up on eight years clean and those things did not go away with it. Um, they've got to be dealt with. And, 
And what I found, I, what I found is I can't talk my way out of them. Sometimes I can't sit and say, why are you nervous today, Ryan? Everything's great. You've got a great family and everybody's relatively healthy today and you love your job. And, uh, why do you have anxiety? Why are you depressed? Why are you so low? And, and what I found was that water, uh, that temperature, um, was like hitting a reset button on some of that mental health stuff. And it really brought in perspective because again, when you hit the water, you're no longer thinking about your fridge or your taxes or any of the stuff that's coming up later in the day. You are breathing because that's all you can do. It's, it's cold enough that all you can do if you're going to stay in is breathe. And there's real value and work for me personally to be done in the moment. And so um, did you know that that's also, did, did you know that's a DBT skill? I did not. So in DBT, we teach that, uh, you can either like put your, your hands, your feet, or even if it's severe enough and you're in a panic attack, your face mm -hmm. in ice cold water. And it does exactly what he's talking about. Right. What does it do doc? Well, it brings you to right now. That's for but sure. Physiologically. Yeah, sure. Well, the, a lot of things happen physiologically, but it's a shock. It's a shock to your system. And so shock to your central nervous system, yeah, whatever's going on up here has to kind of shut down because it thinks, uh, man, I might be dying here. Yeah, and I love it. You got to pay attention to right here, right now. Yeah, it's cool, right? Yeah. And so we we started doing it was like three of us going up and then and then we just invited it, you know, um, invited it to anyone that wanted to come. And like I say, by the end, we had hundred people up there, mostly in recovery. Um, we had some chainsaws chopping holes in the ice and, uh, and everybody going in. And so there was, a, I mean, the connection of the people together was one of the pieces that I love. Like anybody that wakes up on a Sunday morning at 9am thinking about going in the ice water, those are people that want to grow and that are trying to grow. And mm -hmm. I have to like, I've found the last few years, I have to surround myself with those type of people. Uh, if I want to grow. And so there was that piece, there was the going, the actual going in, uh, where I felt like I got a brain reset every week. There was part of it was the routine of doing it every week. Um, like talk to me, talk to me what it's like, like talk to me through what that's like to, to get in that freezing cold water. Like what, what goes through your mind? What goes like, does it take your breath away? Like, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good metaphor, uh, for most of my life in that, the fear of, I mean, we have this fear, we have a fear of cold water, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. like, it triggers your brain. Uh, but it's just a, like, I stopped thinking of it as cold and started thinking of it as a head change. Like I'm going to go in here and fix my head. And because I, it, it's so cold that once you're in for 10 seconds, that changes from being cold into another level. Um, and so really it was that fear. I mean, that's the work to me is the jumping, uh, past the, the fear into the solution. And so I, I've tried to utilize, uh, the plunges concepts in the rest of my life, which is, um, you know, like the polar plunge to me is the same thing as tossing the ball with my four-year-old. You know, when I'm tossing the ball with him, if I'm doing it right, I'm here now I'm connected to him. I'm connected to another person. I'm, I'm right here. And, um, and the same thing, I mean, get, I, I go through waves of fear on the daily of, you know, with my job of, I got to make this phone call, but I'll sit and think about it in fear for 15 minutes before I sitting there looking at the phone. Like, what am I going to say? I'll, I'll have the whole conversation. Well, they're going to say this, and then you're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this. And, and so it's a physical manifestation of what goes on in your head in facing your fears, getting uncomfortable and overcoming them. Yep. I love it. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And it was, uh, so that, that, uh, I mean, that changed a lot, um, for me and really helped me, uh, my mental health this last year. And then a bunch of other things, you know, just working on the, um, bits at a time, you know, uh, you know, the exercise and the diet and, uh, the input, what am I putting in my head all day long? If you're, you know, I used to listen to only, uh, super sad music from, uh, you know, in my mind back then it, to be a, a uh, worthy musician, you had to have killed yourself, you know? And so, uh, um, if I'm only putting that in my head all day long and then I sit at night and go, man, why am I so sad all the time? It's like, what are you putting in your head yeah, all day long? Your diet is you know? more than just what you consume through your mouth. Totally. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's the media, the, the songs you listen to, the type of movies you watch, the type of convers the, even news, right? The news you watch on TV. So a diet is more than just the calories that you're consumed through your mouth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what am I telling myself? I mean, a lot of it was, uh, I was unaware of what I was telling myself when I became conscious of what I was telling myself, there was a lot of Oh, good one, Ryan. You piece of, you know, like uh, the you, bully, man, the bully you, showed you, up. You think, uh, you yeah. think you're, you're, you're going to go do this uh, job today. You think you're something, huh? And I mean, there was a, it was a, I was walking with a dude that was putting me down on a pretty like minute to minute basis. And I've got to live with this guy. And so, you know, 24, that 24 seven. Yeah. And it's uh which can just break you. And, and you know, it's where some of the, I think suicidal ideation was coming is, um, from having to live with somebody that's constantly putting me down and, and he's still there, you know, but he's, um, uh, I've minimized, I think even just having the awareness of what was happening, um, created some of that, um, you know, I slowed that a little bit and I've tried to work on, you know, ma getting him to start saying some positive things about myself, which, um, you know, it was hard for me to say anything good about myself for a long time. I thought that was, uh, you know, I thought to be humble meant to hate yourself and, um, and that's not accurate, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's good. Hey, let's, uh, let's go a couple of other directions because yeah. you got some stuff going. Yeah, I got some stuff. Yeah. You got a few things going. So let's talk about pick one. What do you got going? That's, uh, that's that we should well, talk about. So like right now, how did you, let's, uh, I, I said yeah. pick one and then I'm going to change. Yeah, no, you're good. I apologize. <laughs> you're He's going to hit the gas and the brake uh, at the same time. Well, on I, your I, I, I love some, it. Some I of the it. things that you've been involved in, like. I have a kid that's been involved with you in some of those things, like not involved as far as like they're your things and he participates, but they've been really good for him. That's super um, cool. How'd you get started with that kind of stuff? Like what was your, what was your, talk about some of those early ones, like the you know, building houses or, or call centers or, yeah, you know, that sort of so, stuff. So it all kind of started, um, you know, I was, uh, program director uh, at Maple Mountain with you. And um, I mean, really all, most of the stuff that I've done has come about from seeing a gap in the system and just, um, I don't know why thinking that I could do something about it, but like, you know, we would see, it came about really organically and we'd see people get out of residential treatment, not be able to get a job because of their background history. Um, um, or, you know, they couldn't get a job that worked around their treatment schedule. Um, uh, couldn't, if they did get a job, it was sometimes in sketchy, uh, call centers or locations where are people are getting high. Yep. And so, and then they would circle back in into residential right. and it was just a, just a revolving door of coming back. And so the thought was, why don't we help these guys get some jobs? And, uh, my partner at the time had a construction thing. And so we started there and, um, so by the end of it, you know, I, I've also learned, you know, that was about, I don't know, five years for, I, but I've been really passionate about the work program piece, um, for the last five years. Um, and I've learned a ton of what doesn't work. Um, you know, we did the construction and that was a beast of, um, you know, we had about 150 guys on these construction and girls, um, who did better, frankly, but, um, on these construction crews and, uh, nobody had a car is the other problem with trying to get people to work. Um, and, and I started seeing, um, there was these three components to me has kind of been what I've been working on the last few years, which is everybody needs housing. Everybody needs treatment so they can break the cycle and everybody needs employment, you know, and, and most companies aren't willing to look at the employment piece because it's, there's not, um, profit, frankly, um, a lot of times in it, if you're, um, especially if you're having to drive, like I drove those guys to, you know, I, I was up at four in the morning driving these guys to each different job location, which is why I got out of the construction biz. Cause I had contractors calling me and, um, you know, driving people from Harriman to park city to jobs and then having to go pick them up and then having to schedule them. Um, but it worked in, in the way that people had a safe, a group of people to work with that were safe, sober, we could work around their, 
uh, treatment schedules. Um, but the transportation thing was, um, it was like for you, it became a chauffeur business. <laughs> well, it was, yeah, it was a chauffeur. Personally. It was a chauffeur. Um, it was a scheduling nightmare that would take me. I mean, I was doing 16 hour days. Um, and my phone was, you know, I got these little kids and my phone was just, I mean, it still is blowing up, but it's, um, back then it was really out of control. And so by the end of that, I was right on the edge again of, because I wasn't doing anything for myself at that point. There was no time. It was just, it was just run this thing. And so, um, so I had to step away from that and, and I got, um, offered a position, you know, the ranch to, to, uh, do a work program for them. And I said, I'll, I'll do it, but I want a call center. Um, not because I'm passionate about call centers, but because I wanted everybody in the same room so that we didn't have to do that transportation thing and they could get more support. And then, um, you know, they had some, uh, in-house issues I think there and so about a year and a half ago I I was decided I was going to leave there and go look for something else and and came upon um, a company called I Am Recovery uh, owned by Jared Casey do you know Jared I don't uh, most you know on that post you did this morning about ethical people mm -hmm. like that was all I wanted a year and a half ago I just said I want to work for somebody that I can believe in that's it that was the criteria for, for getting in the job was I just want to work for somebody that I can believe in is doing this thing for the right reasons because I want to do it for the right reasons and I need a team to do that. And so, and he supported me on the work program idea. You know, he said, I'll hire you as director of admissions. And I said, I'll, I'll take it if you let me keep doing this passion project, because I think that there's something there. And so right now it's as perfect as it's ever been. You know, I, I do, uh, director of admissions for I'm recovery. We have some higher end sober livings up in the Alpine area and the uh, American fork. And then we've got an office, uh, outpatient down in Lehigh. And then we've, once again, I've got the call center, um, which is essentially in the same location. So, and we're not doing sales cause that was the hard part with, uh, the ranch. We were doing sales and, and cold calling and that stuff made, man, I wanted to have a drink after a day of, uh, just watching people do cold calls. It was, you know, it's a uh, high pressure job, yeah. which we recommend, you know, not, not getting into totally. those type of jobs. And so I, I tried really hard this year to not do, um, any sales type stuff. And so right now we've got a call center with about 40 people, um, that are doing COVID observations. So they're, they get a base pay, um, you know, which isn't a ton 13 to start, but they, it's a place where we can work around their, uh, treatment schedule. We can, they're all in a place where, you know, if they're struggling, they can walk right into the executive director, um, who does a ton for us, Jason Potter. And, um, and they can tell them they're struggling, uh, which it's, you know, at a normal job, it's frowned upon to come back there and be like, I have really been thinking about heroin a lot today. And, uh, you know, most, <laughs> uh, most, uh, executive right. directors maybe don't get that, but he, he does. And so we work with them. And so they're in a safe, supportive place. We drive them, we transport them down so that they can go, you know, essentially day treatment. Then we work around their schedule so they can walk right through the door without having a car and go have a job where they can be able to make some money. It's totally optional. Nobody has to do, it's not a slave labor situation. Um, and it supports their mental health and it supports their recovery. I laughed, totally. not to be rude, but because could you imagine like if you went and worked for, you know, CenturyLink at a call center and you were having a rough day and you walked into this, the CEO or the COO's office and said, Hey man, I'm feeling really triggered and I might relapse. Like you wouldn't have a job. Yeah. That's super yeah. cool that they can do that there though. Yep. One, it's, it's support, 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 you know, support in the sober living, support in the treatment program, support at the, because the job, I mean, that's the thing. The job is your, how much of your time are you spending at a job? And so, I want people to be spending as much a part of their day as they can in a supported environment that you know is clean and you know is you know you've got sober coworkers there and that they're supporting you while you guys are trying to grow together and so um it's 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 been the best um right now it's it's the best it, you know I've been working on it for years and right now is kind of the fruition of that um and yeah I love it I love the model I mean I think I mean I think everybody should do it. You know, I, I don't think that I, I know I say this and people maybe think can believe me or not, but like, I really don't believe in competition in recovery. I've told other treatment centers, um, like you could do this. 
I will teach, I'll tell you the mistakes that I've made. I'll share the information with you. This isn't about uh, me making a name for myself for doing work programs. The more people that do it, uh, the more people get help. I I think it should be standard in the industry where you you help them. You know, you don't just take them in, bill their insurance and and say, see you when you're done. You know, you try, it's supposed to be a transitional thing, uh, outpatient. And so, the idea is to get them, you build them. I mean, my favorite thing is getting them out of our job. You know, yeah. that it isn't to have them there so we can make a dollar an hour off them forever. It's the, the people that are doing well, I want to see them going to the next level, start interviewing at, at places that they're passionate about working. But now they've got some work history, you know, right. p- potentially a promotion in there. They, they're, you know, when they go out to interviews, they can put my number in and I can say, hey, this guy did awesome for us, you know, and because, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, it really, the thing that was, that I think a lot of employers don't get it. I mean, these guys are so capable. Like when you, I mean, like all of us, I think when you take a good uh, drug addict, when we're out there, it's destruction. But when you're clean, you know, there's a lot of companies that are missing out on some really capable individuals because when we're clean and if we can stay that way, clean and healthy, not just staying clean, but doing some healthy stuff to maintain, um, you know, some balance and a healthy lifestyle, then, um, you've got some real capable individuals that can do some amazing work. And I've, I've seen them. Um, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I tell people all the time, like when I work with people, I, again, like you have the blueprint, you know what it looks like to be obsessed about something, right? Your brain gets that you've been there. So now take it and apply it to something else and you can be successful, right? Totally. I also, um, I love that you're pointing out it's about routine, right? Like I'll harp this till the day that I die. Routine, routine, routine. In RTC, we build a routine. We get them into PHP. We step away from maybe some of the physical stuff because then they can get a gym pass and start doing their own thing. But they develop a routine transition them into IOP. Now, hopefully they're working on physical stuff. They're getting a job They're right. They're still doing a little bit of treatment, but to build that routine, we all need routine. Yeah. All human beings need routine. Yeah. The, the other thing that strikes me about what he has said is, you know, we come out and we have needs, right? We have, first of all, we have these needs that are absolute. You need oxygen, you need water, you need food, mm. you need a place to sleep, a house yeah. or an apartment or something, a place to sleep. We all need purpose. We all oh, need yeah. something to do. We all need, and for many of us, that part of that purpose at least is our is our employment. Part mm-hmm. of that purpose is our jobs. I I am sort of hardwired, I think, to support my family financially, mm-hmm. and uh, without that, because I had a time in my life where I lost my employment, mm-hmm. I had no purpose at all. Like I just felt like I was useless, worthless, nobody, because I couldn't support my family. It's hard to get up in the morning and get out of bed right. when you're making eight bucks an hour right. scooping cookies, right, Doc? Well, at, at least eight bucks an hour scooping cookies, I was doing something. Right. Because there was a time before that I was doing nothing. And that, at that point, the eight bucks an hour was, I knew was not going to satisfy me for a long period of time, but it did get me out of bed mm-hmm. some days and gave me, I, at least I had a place to go. I had a thing to do. I had a... Yeah. Little tiny bit of purpose. Yeah. A little bit of meaning. I wish we had more time because one thing that I would like to, to maybe take a look at is I know like, so different places have different, uh, uh, treatment philosophies, modalities. Right. Um, so I know it, it steps were real big on self-efficacy and, and not right. Finding the balance between that enabling and, and also letting them kind of flourish and, and go out on their own. And so I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying. Um, do you feel like when you're taking that, when you're physically driving them and doing those type of things, what would you say to somebody that says, well, you're basically enabling, you're making it like, they don't have to, everything is just laid out perfect for them. They don't have to do anything or figure anything out on their own. I mean, yeah, I, I've heard that argument of, um, well, if they, if they uh, would spend eight hours on the bus to get heroin, they can spend eight hours to get here. And I, I just think there's so many obstacles in early recovery. True, there, true. By, by helping folks with some transportation to get down to treatment and to be able to make the job a little bit more accessible. And there, trust me, they've got 30 other obstacles that they've got to overcome and fight through. Um, and a lot of that they're going to have to do on their own and, and we're going to support them, uh, in our program doing that. But I mean, there's no way that I was making it 
to sit here today without some real help. Like I had some help uh, from my folks, um, family, my wife. I mean, people helped me to get to the next step. And so I think to say we're going to make you stronger by you're going to do this all on your own, kid, is a great way to see people die. Um, and not that I'm not saying no, that right. that's what you're correct. But but I think I mean, that's my that's I'm just here to help people, man. That's like I, and I love it. I love it. My I, jam is that I, I just I'm trying to take out some of those um, obstacles, obstacles yep. because they're going to have plenty of obstacles. Yep. And and I love too the the that you guys do a, a call center on site. And I hope you don't feel like I was yeah. trying to knock no. anything you were no. saying. I'm no, just no. for kind of for the sake of debate, right? Yeah, yeah. And they do kind of get some of that self-efficacy and, and that belief in them own their their own self when they have some work history that you that you're providing. Yeah, which is which is amazing too. I want to end on this. We're we're about a minute left. Get it? How uh, the polar plunge is not happening right now because there's is it not happening? Right? I mean, you know, we're not going as a group. I um, but everybody is going on their own oh, individual. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll probably go jump in some water how, today. How do people get a hold of a group to do polar plunge? Like, how do they get in contact with you or that group? Or I mean, I think you know they find what you? I started doing about a year ago was I started looking on Facebook and finding the people that were doing the things that were interesting to me and making an effort to reach out to those. Do you people. have a Facebook page for the Polar Plunge? Uh, no, okay. but uh, but look look me up. Uh, let's be friends, and I'll try to point you in the direction that I can help. Okay. Awesome. So Ryan Heimels will post on this episode. If you watch it on Facebook, he's going to post, he's going to comment, just go click his, his name, become friends. He would be more than happy. I'm sure to have you be a part of the polar polar plunge. You can be a part of any piece of my life. Absolutely. So check it out. We're about to take two weeks off. I'm getting married. Sean's got places to be. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Thank you for checking it out. Thank you for joining us today on we do recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from A Podcast Studio.